1: Good morning, Rutherford County.
2: It's the Greg Tucker Show, and uh, um, it's a beautiful day out there. I I think I've been in this cold weather long enough. I'm getting used to it. It, Is that possible?
3: We're promised a warm stretch, so give it a chance this morning. It'll probably turn into a real nice nice, dry day, but boy, this morning was again had an edge to it. (laughs) Get out and uh i forgot and left the truck sitting out so it was so covered with frost this morning i decided to take in the big car
2: again you've got so many uh garages over there it looked like you would have room for everything i have room for everything but sometimes i
3: leave one out thinking about other things and uh, i was loading and unloading the truck and i thought well i want to use it the next day so i'll just leave it out I looked at it this morning and thought, you know, that's another 20 minutes to get it where I can see. Uh, but this too will pass. And we'll be complaining about the heat. I uh, never had so. a
2: garage till I was over 30 years old.
3: Oh, my goodness. Yeah,
2: I was used to being out in the cold and driving a cold vehicle and taking forever to where I could see through my uh, the no, front windshield.
3: Yeah, if I remember right, you weren't 80 years old back at that time either, so that might have made a difference.
2: Well, you you're not exactly a spring chicken, big boy. <laughs> well,
3: that's why I did decided not to scrape the truck this morning.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you come driving in here then in in that big Chrysler and kind of showing off a lot of uh-huh.
3: times. Well, we promised some readers last week that we'd talk about cemeteries, and there is some news. Of significance. That's an exciting
2: subject, cemeteries.
3: Yeah, yeah but uh, before, and maybe appropriately so, we're going to put some away there. Uh, I think there's something you ought to talk to your
2: loyal listeners about, your plans. What are you talking about? Your plans. My plans? Yeah. My plans is not to have any plans. I am going to um, call it. Uh, quits uh, the first of March
3: a gracious retirement
2: a retirement and I, I'm, it's one of those everybody looks forward to retirement but mine is um, is really a kind of uh, one of those situations where I, I have enjoyed doing this show for 11 years uh, I'm not a uh, young man anymore and and I, I can explain why uh, in a few details. the um, the show uh, has changed over the last eleven years. I've lost a, a great deal of friends during that period that I, I have passed on, and a lot of them were guests, really great guests, and I enjoy them ever much ever just so much, and I still enjoy them but uh it it gets it's one of those situations that you have to work hard to find uh guests anymore because of where we are and uh, the people that uh, um, have been affected by the virus so much over those years it it becomes much more difficult to do it and uh, i'm at that uh, stage in my life where um I want to do some traveling, do do some things that I can't do anymore un- until uh, I get that uh, freedom. And uh, it, it's going to be special. But the people that have been listeners all this time, I am really going to have a hard time not having a relationship with them. And that, that is really, really special because... Just think of all the wonderful people that have been um, friends in this community, year one of them. Uh, you and I have been friends a long time. We've, we've been through some uh, interesting situations during that period. And uh, uh, a, lo- a lot of my friends I've known since I was just a, a young child, and I have seen this community change so much, Over that time, it's gone from a small rural community uh, county to a uh, major metropolis, you might say. So, I have been blessed to see all of those things and been able to share them with uh, a number of people, and a lot of people that are listeners uh, probably did not grow up in this community. And you and I, and so many others, we've been able to describe um, all of the things, all the wonderful things that this community uh, was made up of and, and continues to grow in such great people. I mean, this is the most wonderful place in the world to live, and all the, the wonderful people, the new people that have moved into our community, and they've been able to enjoy the relationships of of uh, so many of the ones that have deep roots here in this community. Uh, you, uh, when you came in and you bought that Morning Ride Farm out there on Bradable Pike, you had a quill of Bowman, and my gosh, you couldn't have picked a better new friend to give you the history of this community and how to run a, a, a farm uh in the old way and uh he he invited and and uh and introduced you to a lot of special people in the community and uh he i'm afraid he put you on me when you was talking about something special in the change of government and you bushwhacked me back a few years ago and uh you know um Living on the edge is still a special place to, to be, and and your family has been a, a, a great friend to me and my family, and it's been really, really special. But, uh, you know, there comes a time when you have to move on and do other things. Well, our
3: relationship's not going to move on. No. Uh, putting it on the air, I guess, will be something we'll remember fondly. And I guess uh, I got a couple of more sessions with you through February. Look forward to that. We'll go yeah. forward as as usual. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess I'm sorry that you're going to step down. But I fully understand uh, that the time comes for those kind of things, and uh, we'll look forward to. Uh, A little bit different uh, circumstances for our friendship, but uh, I know we'll continue to be very close. And I don't think it's the radio that made us close. I think there's a friendship there that goes way beyond the the time we spend together on the radio.
2: Well, look how many wonderful people that have become friends since we've been on the air with us. I mean, I can still remember that first week uh, 11 years ago that uh uh most my guests uh, it was brand new and they would bring all kinds of uh, uh literature and everything to kind of get us through that first uh hour that they were on but they didn't need it i mean it was just so easy to enjoy each other and gosh i mean you think back at uh, the the types of people that i grew up with I couldn't have been blessed more. Well, you gave me a theme, and that was, let's talk about
3: our local history when you're on. And uh, we've covered a lot of it and probably covered some points many times. Yeah. But uh, there's there's still an interest because I almost always get comments. And one of the comments since last week was they look forward to learning more about Evergreen Cemetery and how it came to be.
2: Now that had nothing to do with my retirement now.
3: Well, we need to plan ahead, Truman. You gotta
2: <laughs> Oh, I've got all that planned ahead. <laughs> and at Evergreen. Yeah.
3: I appreciate that. Well, uh yeah, you can I continue to learn and when I was flipping through some of the history, I came across a reference to the first kind of organized well, how would you say multifamily cemetery. Uh, of course, anywhere where people are living, people are dying. yeah, and back in the eighteen turn of the century into the eighteen hundreds, uh, when uh, someone passed away, they were buried, usually close to where they fell. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we had you know small private family cemeteries beginning even back then. But one of the largest landowners, uh, in about eighteen fourteen, the Dickinson family which was one of uh, Colonel Hardy Murphy's daughters, Mm -hmm. had uh, about 1,000 acres just north of uh, the downtown area. They called it Grant Lands, because of course it was uh, early titling through the grants. And uh, Mr. Dickinson made available some property on his plantation to the community. Mm -hmm. And uh, this probably was as early as 1810, uh, and I can't tell you where, except that it's the old Grantland's Plantation, which was the very large holding just north. There are some streets. Uh, Grantland's is a small residential street in that area. that would be just off of what used to be Loki now, I think, it's Medical Center Parkway, where it joins Memorial right in that area. They had
2: a, they had a baseball field. Yeah. All Grantland's
3: oh, That's right, it was on that property some of that property mm-hmm. before it all developed uh, but uh, that was an informal kind of relationship and it is referred to in some of uh, John Spence's writings called mm-hmm. the Annals of Murfreesboro uh, but other than that, that's the only reference uh, that's the only reference I've found in, in the documents but in the uh, 18-teens Uh, is when the first really uh, multi-family community kind of cemetery came into being. And that's when the Presbyterian Church was first established, about 1814. Mm -hmm. uh, It's uh, on the corner of what now is the old city cemetery property. It's on the northwest corner. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a monument there marking the, the church place. And the church uh, fenced off an area behind the church as the church cemetery. Now, it's, it's uh, amusing uh, the way it got started because just as soon as they set it up, just a short time after that, uh, one of the businessmen uh, that had developed the earliest uh, use of the, the property around the courthouse passed away, very well known in the community. Uh, his last name was Eldridge. And uh, his family advised the, the church that uh, they wanted to make use of the cemetery there. A little bit of a problem. Eldridge did not have a very uh, admirable reputation. He was known as a saloon keeper and a very, very heavy drinker. Hmm. And the church leadership thought that this is not the way that we want to start our cemetery, and declined to let the family use the church cemetery. That's kind
2: of odd, isn't it? To uh, it was kind judge of judge a person's reputation by where he's buried.
3: Uh, yes, you're correct. Yeah. Uh, well, the family, uh, uh, you know, in those days, you couldn't wait too long to do your burial. They buried him in the yard of the house that was. Uh, being constructed or had been constructed on one of the original plots lots mm-hmm. in Murfreesboro and uh, but they continued to press and uh, the church leadership as you're suggesting uh, eventually I guess they were embarrassed because people were pointing out that they were they were judging yeah uh, you know just against the the, the teachings of the, of the church and the religion. Mm-hmm. So they relented, and Eldridge was exhumed and reburied uh, as the first grave in the churchyard. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a marker there today that, that specifically locates it, but again, we've got pretty good authority for that.
2: Uh, Is there anything in particular that's inscribed on the monument itself? It's not like one of these boot heel uh, monuments, I presume. No. Okay. All
3: right. <laughs> that would indicate uh, the second uh, cemetery that was available for uh, those in the community, not just mm-hmm. the family, was in 1823 when the first Methodist church was built, and it was built mm-hmm. on the corner right across. Uh, Burton Street today from uh, the county offices there. Mm -hmm. And the Methodist Church decided also that the back area behind the church would be used as a family cemetery. And obviously those who were adherents to the Methodist faith used that cemetery. It was in use only about 10 years though because the Methodist Church moved to where there still is a building Uh, It's being repurposed now. Uh, But uh, on the corner of East College and Church Street, Mm -hmm. uh, they moved to there. And when they did—
2: Are uh, we talking about just Murfreesboro and the county, saying the first church is Methodist and Presbyterian?
3: We're talking about the Murfreesboro area. Yeah, because out in the—yeah, you're quite right. There were churches that were making space available out in the county. Uh, but when the Methodist Church moved, they decided that the cemetery should be moved, and they advised the families that uh, had buried family in the Methodist Cemetery that they need to uh, move the graves. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few did, maybe sir, maybe a substantial number of them did, but they didn't all because it's quite a bit of expense involved. Pretty and, difficult to do. Yeah, and in some cases there might have been no no one present, but after the church moved, in a relatively short time, the cemetery was abandoned and uh, any markers that were there disappeared. And today the rover terminal, our little transit system mm-hmm. from Murfreesboro, has its uh, terminal uh, on the property that was the cemetery. So mm-hmm. I've suggested that In all probability, the little uh, rover buses are driving over a number of graves that were left abandoned unattended. Uh, Can uh, you do
2: anything, since you're an attorney, and also, uh, obviously, someone who knows the history of this community, you know, we've actually had uh, uh, graves that have been uh, opened up unintentionally and I can remember when I was uh, in office the uh, uh, Indians the, the Cherokee as I presume uh, uh, we've had a number of theirs opened up over the years and, and identified but uh, um, since uh, my gravesite is going to be over there at Evergreen is there any way to protect Jackie and me from uh, being uh, located somewhere else uh, 50 years from now, or 60, or 100?
3: Uh, the answer is that shouldn't, certainly shouldn't occur, but we've got some history that could make us a little more cautious. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I've said before, the descendants and their active uh, interest in uh, graves and grave sites is really the key mm-hmm. to being sure that things stay as they are uh, and a good example is the city cemetery we had uh, back in the 1820s on into the early 1830s we've got the Presbyterian churchyard there mm-hmm. behind where the church was on the corner and up from it a, a not not a very long way maybe a couple of yards was a family cemetery. This is on the property behind the church cemetery. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, originally the Murf- some of the Murphy holdings. And Lavinia Murphy, who married Burton and-, and built what we now call the Bellwood Mansion up in that area, they had their family cemetery mm-hmm. there on their property. Uh, just be south of where the Presbyterian Church and its cemetery was located, and in the 1830s, now we talked about uh, Ms. Hilliard, a very aggressive and uh, very shrewd business sister.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, Hardy Murphy, one of Hardy Murphy's daughters, uh, she convinced the city at that time to buy from her. Her husband had passed away then. She held it in her name, uh, Ms. Hilliard, to buy from her the property that would become a city cemetery. Mm -hmm. And uh, when she defined it, it was the property that wrapped around the Presbyterian church and the Presbyterian cemetery so that the cemetery would eventually be included. Uh, But it also included her sister's family, cemetery area in mm-hmm. graves and the deed that uh, Ms. Hilliard gave the city in exchange for a fairly substantial payment something like five or six thousand uh, dollars indicates in that deed that the family cemetery for her sister and her family was not part of the transfer and remained family property around Mm -hmm. that. So uh, interesting what she accomplished in terms of her family. By putting a new city cemetery around and including the family cemetery, she was able to get the city in what we call today perpetual care Mm -hmm. of the family cemetery without a burden to the family. That's not the first time. It's actually, we had three occasions where something like that was done. Uh, but when they uh, were abandoning or moving the Methodist Cemetery, some of them did come to the city cemetery uh, eventually as it overlapped. Uh, The uh, next major development in terms of local cemeteries followed the Battle of Stones River, the Stones River Battle. Mm -hmm. Now you know that the Union Union, occupying forces using former slave labor set up the what became the federal cemetery but it was exclusively for the union casualties so, and the confederate casualties all over the county were more or less buried where they fell mm-hmm. a lot of times uh, f- local property owners would use maybe part of a family cemetery but there was no formal uh, gathering of the bodies but after the war, some of the ladies of the community decided that something needed to be done. They retained the services of uh, one of the developers, builders in the community, mm-hmm. and they set up a Confederate cemetery. You remember where it was?
2: Uh, you talking about here or just outside the community? The
3: original Confederate cemetery Uh, The literature defines it as between the railroad and the Shelbyville Turnpike and taking the distances that are described in there. Mm -hmm. The best I can pinpoint is right about the co-op property, which is divided by the street, and it could well be that it uh, was where the street lays right now between the two co-op facilities over there. Just... Just off the turnpike where the railroad crosses, uh,
2: it's over close to where Doctor Murphy had some land that he 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 was actually building the bridge on, over oh, there. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, well, when you go. He was, he was extremely interesting. I just love yeah. that guy to death.
3: I think we call that now Middle Tennessee Boulevard as it crosses yes. the yeah. and Turnpike. Yeah. It was right in there, uh, in the. 1880s the Manny family either offered or was solicited to sell to the city 20 acres off of the Oakland's plantation property mm-hmm. the intent being that that would become a new city cemetery, a cemetery owned, run by the city uh, Dr. James Manny uh, agreed to Title it to the city for five thousand dollars. Again, a substantial sum back in those days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, second time here from what we talked about, what he wanted to sell and did sell the twenty acres included the family cemetery, uh, the plantation, the Oakland's family cemetery. Mm-hmm. So once again, you can see by. Offering the property and selling the property to the city for the cemetery, like uh, his sister-in-law, he guaranteed that his family cemetery would receive the same care as the rest of the city cemetery by including it. We, we got have a
2: caller. A caller, and I'm I'm sure that they're probably wanting to uh, take um, um, maybe ask some questions to you. I'm sure they don't want to talk to me, caller welcome aboard with Greg Tucker.
4: Good morning, my name's Ed Phillips. I was born and raised here. Ah, uh, my question is you're talking about cemetery. I lived on I grew up on Olympia and there's a spot where there's an Indian graveyard. I don't know if Mr. Tucker no know, knows what I talk about i i when we moved there it's 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 got a fence around it's got a number of trees and when I used to ride bicycle with my friends, we'd ride by there scare each other and it was told that it was a cemetery when that subdivision was uh, built it was some kind of Indian cemetery so uh, my question is is that true or is that something that uh, somebody made up
3: uh, I can't speak to that specific location but there are several sites around the county and uh, we're not talking about the Cherokee and the Chickasaw we're talking about the stone box Indians, which were Mm pre-Columbian. And uh, those sites are protected under statute. If you uh, are developing land and discover or find, you're under statute supposed to uh, report it and back off so the state archaeologists can come in and document what's there. And if there are remains that can be identified as human, uh, either protect that spot as it is or move them just as we would move more contemporary remains to an appropriate spot. And I know that the uh, some of the indigenous uh, uh, personnel descendants uh, become involved. Uh, but in most cases, we're not talking about the uh, Native Americans that were here as as the area was being settled. Uh, We're talking about pre-Columbian and uh, we still know very little about those pre-Columbian tribes, except for what we've learned from these graves. You heard of mound builders and the box Indians. Uh, There are some sites in the county and certainly in the, I know in Williamson County and up in Davidson County, we've come across these sites uh, okay let's take a break. Uh, okay
4: thank oh, you, you Mr. Got Mr. thank you Mr. Tucker I, I, I always wonder about that uh, it's over uh, if you're not familiar where Olympia is it's, it's parallel with Minerva Drive and it's also close over in the Black Fox area the kids go to school there for that, that subdivision and it was built back. the subdivision when we moved there in 63 It was built, I think, in the late 50s. Those houses, uh, a lot of them are rental now, but but they're on that street. uh, It'd be interesting, you know, someday, maybe if you could check that out, uh, that'd be interesting to know a little more about that little spot there because it's still there. I mean, it's still an empty lot with big trees in it and a fence around it. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
3: All right. We'll take our break.
4: My name is Mary Edith Martin McFarland,
5: and I love Adams Place for many reasons.
2: And the most important thing to me is the people. It has a whole wealth of lovely, loving, caring people. The people that live here and the people that work here. And they're very gracious. And that's why Adams Place is wonderful for me. I feel safe, and I love Adams Place.
6: Love is in the air, and the winner of the Main Street couple's scavenger hunt is going to love their downtown gift basket. Follow the six clues to downtown businesses with your special someone, and you could win. Starting clue. Sometimes you can't see this for the trees. Hopefully something will strike a chord. Find the heart with your next clue at this business downtown and collect all six locations in the scavenger hunt. Follow Main Street Murphysboro on Facebook and Instagram to participate for a chance to win.
4: We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at budstirepros.tn.com.
6: Guys, there's a lot of people talking about testosterone these days, but do your homework and be sure you go to a provider that you can trust. I recommend Low T Center. There are many reasons why. Low T Center exclusively specializes in men's wellness. They check all your levels, not just testosterone. They determine the cause of any symptoms you're having and whether or not. You're a candidate to low T or something else like thyroid or even sleep apnea. Their annual health assessment is typically completely covered by most health insurance and is thorough, checking everything from PSA, which is your prostate levels, thyroid, liver, kidney functions, cholesterol, glucose, and more. Low T Center has affordable and convenient options for treatment, including monitored self inject treatment that ships to your home. Make your health a priority this year and schedule your annual health assessment today. It's covered by most health insurance, or less than $100 cash pay. Go to lowteacenter.com to book your appointment today. Low T Center, reinventing men's healthcare.
1: I want candy. Hi,
3: this is Chuck Gandy at Gandy Seafood Company. Here to let you know that it is time to order your king cake for Mardi Gras.
2: We offer a variety of flavors. My favorite is pecan praline. You'll want to get two of those because you won't want to share it.
6: The Gandhi Seafood Cajun Market. Come see us. Across from SportsCom in Murfreesboro. For orders, call 615 956
3: 6590.
1: That's 956 6590. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan with a COVID update from News
0: Radio WGNS. According to the Center for Disease Control, COVID 19 cases and hospitalizations are continuing to decline across the country. As of February 2nd, cases are down 53.1% from their peak on January 15th. Meanwhile, community transmission is still high nationwide. According to the CDC's now-cast projections for the week ending January 29th, the proportion of Omicron variants circulating in the United States is predicted to be greater than 99%. A study by Johns Hopkins University shows that COVID vaccinations in the U.S. are at 63.9% of a population with 418 having received boosters. If you have a passion for restoring vintage vehicles while helping others break a deadly addiction, and you need to know about the first annual Show and Offer Shelby. The car show is May 21st at Family Worship Center on Memorial Boulevard and will raise money to battle the epidemic of drug and alcohol addiction. Show and Offer Shelby organizers are teaming up with Steered Straight to help the cause. Police in Murfreesboro found a man wanted for several auto theft and burglary charges. Brett Smith was asleep in a stolen Ford F-250 pickup truck that was parked on West Main when he was arrested and charged with two counts of theft, five counts of burglary to auto, vandalism over $1,000, and theft of two license plates. Detectives say Smith also took the keys to 25 other trucks and construction equipment. And dozens of soldiers are back home in Tennessee after a 10-month-long Middle East deployment. 3,200 of the Tennessee National Guard's 1st Battalion, 181st Field Artillery Regiment, arrived in Smyrna this past week, All more than 100 others arrived in Chattanooga. I'm Ron Jordan reporting.
1: The Good Neighbor Network, on air and online at WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's most trusted source for local news.
6: Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. Skies will become mostly sunny here for this afternoon, a high of 50 degrees. Northwest winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly clear skies alone here, 23. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vujicic on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 28
0: premiere 6 theater on broad and jackson heights showing all of your favorite movies call their hotline 896-4100 or go see a com. popcorn pop fresh daily their movie hotline 896-4100 or go see a
1: com. premiere 6 on broad and jackson heights from nhc's adams place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Well,
2: Greg, we have another caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Get two calls, actually. Good morning,
5: Truman and uh, Hi.
2: Greg. Yeah. How are
5: y'all doing today?
2: Good. How are you, hon?
5: Uh well we're enjoying the show this morning and uh I did did have a question for Greg. Um mm-hmm. the Evergreen Cemetery, uh I have some family members that are buried there. But I also when I go I like to stroll through the uh Confederate cemetery that's there. And I just wondered if you could give us some information, uh, some background on that. And also with people moving in here our red state they might want to know where our geographical center is of tennessee also so i thought maybe you could give us some background and some information on that and uh, i thank you very much
2: thank you uh
3: your question on evergreen let me back up a little bit the first 20 acres were purchased in 1872 the deed that describes that purchase notes that it's uh on this, It bordered on the south by the Murfreesboro and Liberty Turnpike, which today is Greenland, and on the west by Johnson Street, which today is Highland. Uh, and it wrapped around a brickyard owned by Mr. Henry and his family, and the Henry home was right at the intersection of what's today Highland, in Greenland. So the cemetery fronted on two roads but wrapped around private property, part of which was a brickyard. And uh, we still dig up a few bricks out there. And uh, later in the month, in the year 1872, they uh, appointed the original commissioners. So it was a city commission that was charged with uh, operating the cemetery. And they named it Oakland's Cemetery, named for the original property. Uh, I wonder if the Manny family uh, said something or whether it was a city concern, but a year later they changed and put a new name on it that uh, was chosen by the cemetery commissioners, which was Evergreen Cemetery. First burials were made there in 1873, And at that time, the city wanted to close the city cemetery, the old one over on what's now Vine Street, and again, notified all the families, most of which were prominent families in the area, uh, that uh, they should move, again, another move, remove, exhume, and rebury in Evergreen. That didn't go over very well. Most of the families declined. A few were moved. Most of the families declined, so the city cemetery uh, became kind of the stepchild, and those of us who have been around a few years remember how neglected, grown up, and what a a, a sore sight it was uh, for many years after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, In uh, 1890, that would be about 25, 35 25 years after the end of the Civil War. The uh, veterans are dying off in rapid numbers by then, and there's concern about how the Confederate cemetery, over where we were talking about the co-op property today, how it was to be maintained and who was going to bear the expense. Uh, There was, at the time, a veterans organization that had... uh, maintain the cemetery and as we just were talking about there was a uh, commission of local people appointed by the city that were operating the new Evergreen Cemetery well if you look at the list of the two uh, different groups there's an awful lot of overlap the same people that were had a majority in the city evergreen commissioners were also uh, on the uh, group that was maintaining the confederate cemetery and uh, not surprising uh, they got together and decided that a plot a significantly large plot in the new evergreen property would be made available to rebury as as a group uh, all of the uh, veterans that were buried in the confederate cemetery you can see again what was being accomplished by moving all of the Confederate burials over into the new Evergreen Cemetery. The Confederate uh, graves situation would be maintained the same way as the rest of the city cemetery. So for the uh, second time, third time, we have a uh, arrangement where historic graves, first the uh, Murphy graves and the and the Manning graves and now the Confederate graves uh, were put in situation where the families were relieved of the burden of maintaining them. Uh, and in the case of the Confederate cemetery, it uh, went under the city operation, and uh, it took a while to to move it because the uh, community had to again raise enough funds to move all the graves. Uh, But the Confederate circle that's uh, there today and is a uh, very popular visitor spot uh, in the cemetery uh, is the original Confederate cemetery from uh, the other side of town. Uh, In 1907, uh, indicating how uh, burials in your front yard were not very popular, The very elaborate tomb and remains of the Union University founder, Joseph Eaton, had been buried on East Main, and the uh, tomb and all was very prominent there from East Main. Uh, The decision was made to move that to Evergreen, and uh, you can today, uh, you can spot it from Highland. The Eaton uh, mortuary is there. Uh, Finally, in 1909, the commissioners managed to negotiate purchase of the brickyard and uh, the uh, home, the Henry home that was there in the corner, and uh, make that part of the cemetery. That's why I said we still dig up a few bricks, because the part that was the brickyard became part of the burial area in the cemetery. And for a while, the Henry home was used as as the uh, office for the cemetery. Uh, Did we have another
2: caller? We have another caller, but you didn't answer the one about the uh, uh, center part of the state.
3: The center part of the state is uh, marked by a monument on uh, the old Las Casas Pike. It is a popular tourist spot. We frequently see people stop and taking pictures, Mm -hmm. but not recently because the inscription has disappeared, was either vandalized or stolen.
2: It's amazing.
3: And I am personally working to finance, uh, raise the funds, and uh, find a way to replace that. Uh, but it is uh, not adjacent to the cemetery, yeah. but in that same part of town.
2: All right, we have another caller. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker.
7: Good morning, gentlemen.
2: Good morning.
7: Uh, I got my name is Adams Tom Adams. Uh, Greg's been out to my house, and uh, but the thing on the cemeteries here, we've got, got one right back of my house, adjoining property, that uh, now it's, it's really overgrown. Back when I was able, I tried to help take care of it, and some of the people around the community did. Now I guess all of us have got old, and it's overgrown. But anyway, as the case might be, it's misnamed. It's misnamed. I have chased the deeds back to where the people that owned the property created the cemetery. And it's called Todd Cemetery. It is known uh, by uh, another name now. And I guess the reason for that is there's only two stone stones in the cemetery or flat rock. The only two stones. And uh, it's named Fuller. Now, he has a stone. There is a Hutchins by the name of Lucian Hutchins stone there. And it's only two stones there. But anyway, um, I chased it back to where the people owned this thing. And uh, who do I need to see to try to, you know, get that corrected? Because it is the Todd Cemetery, and now, you know, it's not called that anymore.
3: Well, uh, Mr. Adams, have you have you looked in the historic society directory? Uh, how is it named there?
7: Oh, it is named Fuller. It's mm-hmm. called Fuller Cemetery, and like I said, it's only stone. So I guess when oh, the two boys, well, the boys that came around to...
3: Yeah, back in the 1970s, city. that was put together. Yeah,
7: but uh, as the case might be, uh, it's a shame in this community and in this county. I've got one, two grave sites on my property and they're marked by this flat rock. And the uh... the, or by the name of Baltimore's are the ones that's buried there. I found that out from my dad. But uh... as the case might be, nobody ever comes out to see about them. So they're just out there. We've got a black cemetery out on the uh... Well, right off of the Halls Hill Pike that nobody won't try to take care of. I've talked to some of the outstanding uh, black people in their community, even the guy that owns the property that it's on, and he passed away now, and his wife can't take care of it, and he never did. But what's going to happen here on this is scarce as land is getting here. Some of these days, somebody don't come in here with a D8, D9, and push them all away. They really could care less about them if they're not marked accordingly. But these Baltimore graves that I've got out here—they're not marked by anything except a flat rock. And somebody would just think, well, somebody does. somebody turned a rock over there. So, but something needs to be done about this, and. I don't know about how go about it. I've, I've contacted the people on the Black Cemetery. Uh uh-uh. used to be a church that right across from where the cemetery is, and oh, it was moved out on the whole Hill Pike, and then it dilapidated and fell down. So, you know, I, and people, the younger people today just don't seem to care. And don't let me take up too much of your time, but one more thing here, Truman. I hate to see you leave worse than anything. The your show is the best thing that ever happened to WG&S. And Monday morning with Greg Tucker, ain't no way in the world I'd miss it. no way in the world I'd miss it. You're really so, kind Greg, and you don't know how much. I appreciate and try to continue your segment of this show.
3: Appreciate that, Thomas.
2: You're very kind, and thank you very much. I I really appreciate that.
3: Next time I'm out that way, you're going to take me out and show me the cemetery. Let me move on right now. Uh, The last expansion of Evergreen was in 1936, and a name ought to be familiar to a lot, Dean N.C. Beasley mm-hmm. was dean out at the State Teachers College. He and right. his wife, Sarah, had a small farm, and they sold it to the city, 64 acres, which was just uh, east of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And is the newer portion now of the cemetery where you see the newer graves. Uh, that was the last physical uh,
2: What's the size of it now? The total size, of
3: eighty-eight what? acres. Wow. Uh, plus or minus a little. Yeah, uh, eighty-eight acres, and we have, for reasons I'll talk about in just a minute, uh, tried to estimate how long it will continue to be available for new lots purchases, mm-hmm. and we're talking lifetimes. Wow. Uh, the property is uh, sufficient probably for a couple of more generations at least. Uh, In 1949, and since then a couple of times, the city has voted to uh, relieve itself of the burden of the city ownership of the cemetery. Mm -hmm. Uh, In 1949, it was clearly expressing in uh, ordinance uh, that interest, that intent, Uh, but they tried to transfer it from the city ownership, the real estate, to the commission ownership of the real estate. Mm-hmm. The transfer failed because the commission is simply the city, a division of the city, so it was yeah. looked like it was trying to make a transfer to itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, several times since then we can find in the minutes of the city where you know, an interest is expressed. Well, we now are on the verge of actually accomplishing that. And what's been done is a private, nonprofit. State Chartered Corporation, specifically chartered as a cemetery operator. Uh, basically, Evergreen Cemetery Incorporated mm-hmm. uh, will be, if this is completed, and we're very near to completing it, will be the new owner of the cemetery. The cemetery has, as far back as we can check, been self-sufficient, has not had any reliance on uh, tax subsidies or that kind of thing but still was under the uh, audit by the city, had to go to the city with its budget, uh, and uh, has maintained and now has a perpetual care endowment of several million dollars that have been saved over time. So uh, I am anticipating that uh, before the end of February there will be a formal transfer, a formal sale to the new corporation and uh, other than the legal status and the uh, financial control transfer everything else should continue just the same no one should really be aware of the difference until uh, some long needed capital improvements are begun Uh, the first one will be right now the uh, oh you say equipment shed is literally a shed and uh, needs to be replaced with a modern convenient facility for the maintenance and uh, uh, service for that part and And
2: you're you're going to be part of that right
3: well at the moment i am the uh, acting president of the new corporation i guess i'll get to sign get to sign the transfer papers one of my favorite ladies, Miss Ida, just yeah. handed me an envelope. Thank that's you, Miss Ida. Uh, and I hope that we'll be, as I say, we should be finalizing that transfer by the end of the month. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully before we're off the air, we'll be able to confirm that that's taken
2: place. You've, done, you've been a major part of not only the history of this community, but but uh, improving uh, the the community as it goes, and uh, we've been blessed to have you and Mentry and your whole family here in Rutherford County, and I'm going to miss that.
3: Well, let me echo what we heard from Mr. Adams. Uh, your contribution to this community and its history, and the preservation of its history, as well as the the social aspects and the uh, current events uh, has been more than we could calculate. And uh, it is going to be a loss to the community. I don't know how much will be lost on Mondays, but certainly overall uh, not having you daily on the air to tell us what's going on and what has been going on and more importantly perhaps what it means to the community I think is going to be a, a big loss and uh how can you we'll say i've it. been a
2: big part of the Monday things because uh basically uh, i am a target for somebody's uh uh wit you might say from uh for a whole hour or, or plus for all that time it it it, well, doesn't, is, it doesn't make any sense
3: that's been part of the pleasure for me and our listeners <laughs> is uh, the, the, the give and take.
2: Uh, so uh, we don't know where it's wabbit season or duck season. Why, <laughs> really? <laughs> but it's but me being the wabbit, it's always yeah. wabbit season.
3: And Truman is still lurking about.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe I'm still here. That does it. It doesn't compute.
3: Well, I think we came to we brought up to date the evergreen uh, uh, history, and if anyone's one of our callers made reference, if you're interested in the old part of the cemetery, it's over there, close to the police building and the fence fence line around the police building. You can't
2: miss it because you got all those big monuments. Yeah, over there,
3: and uh, it uh, cemeteries and the monuments and cemeteries are a big, big part of our history and the way we learn about our history. In fact, the almost, oh, I'm guessing 75 to 80% of genealogy studies begins as a cemetery. Yeah. And then, of course, you get into the vital records, births, deaths, marriages, uh, but frequently it begins at the cemetery.
2: My uh, parents, w- uh, one of my brothers that was killed when he was 18, and my grandparents are over at the other cemetery, on up between the Smyrna and Murfreesboro. And, but and they fill up uh, quite quickly, especially when you can't be near the rest of your family. And one of the things that uh, a lot of people who have farms, they will have their own cemetery uh, placed on their farm after they're gone. And uh, I... I how, is is that a very uh, complicated issue or is it just automatic to be able to have your uh, cemetery on your own property?
3: I asked the late Bubba Woodfin about that and he said if you want to do that, then nobody can stop you. I have not researched to see if there's any limitations or any requirements. Uh, I know there are uh health department requirements about what you need to do with a body. Mm-hmm. Uh but as far as where you place it, uh Bubba seemed to think if you owned the property and wanted to dedicate part of it to a family cemetery, you had that right to do it. Yeah. Uh but as in the three cases we noted, the question of who's gonna take care of it for ever. Yeah. Uh, that's always a problem. And as uh, Thomas Adams was suggesting, so many times, certainly by third or fourth generation out, uh, the descendants don't either, they're either not even aware of it or they are at the point where it's too remote to be a burden on them. Uh, And uh, that's when they go into disrepair. And when people ask me, how can we protect it? just being alert you know if there's a family cemetery that uh, you feel a connection with you need to you know a couple of times a year drop by and see what's going on yeah uh, watch it and uh, do enough to it so people can see it's being maintained uh, maybe only once or twice a year clear the growth uh, but that'll make a
2: difference and we have another caller on the line caller welcome aboard with greg tucker
5: Thank you. I wanted to ask Mr. Tucker, the men, the Oakland men over there, did that belong to James Manny? And was his wife Augusta
2: Manny?
3: I can't hear it. Truman, did you get the question?
2: Uh, I had a hard time. Uh, could you repeat that, please?
5: the Oakland mansion was then owned by Mr. Manny and was his wife Miss Augusta Manny
3: Uh, the original Manny married one of the uh, Hardy Murphy daughters I don't recall the name Augusta and at the moment I'm forgetting which one it was it wasn't Mary, it wasn't Lavinia, it wasn't Fanny it was one of the other Uh, well
5: she well
3: maybe this will help you to understand.
5: She she had three sons, Jack, James and Cameron Manny.
2: She had three sons, Jack, James and Cameron Manny.
3: Yeah, that seems correct.
5: I was just asking because my aunt works for Augusta Manny, and that she's was
3: saying that she was the owner of the Oakland Mansion. Well, the manes gave up the uh, estate shortly after the Civil War. Uh, and it went out of the Manny hands in about 17, uh, 17, 1880. So uh, anybody living in the 1900s probably would not be Someone who owned the property. They lost it uh, largely because of the Civil War damages and such. And they put a, uh, well, today we'd call a mortgage on the property and eventually lost it.
5: I was a little girl back in the day and I used to walk to work with my aunt Football Team East College Street and Augusta Manning lived there. And I was just trying to say is she, was she the one that owned that mansion at one time was it James Manning her husband?
3: She may well she may well have been a descendant of the Manning family, because uh, they lived they still lived in that area uh of murfreesboro after they lost the plantation uh which was very close to the time that they were selling the property for the uh evergreen cemetery uh tune in next week and i'll see if i can't have something for you on augusta manny
2: oh she, she she's got a great memory think about uh, uh the history that she has She sounds like my great grandmama. She can tell me everything that happened during her lifetime.
3: All right. I believe we're out of time, Truman. We'll see you next week.
2: All right, guys. We'll see you in the morning at 9.
1: From NHC's Adams Place home of premier senior living on memorial boulevard it's the truman show on news radio wgns on fm 101.9 and am 1450 murfreesboro fm 100.5 smyrna and streaming at wgnsradio.com